You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal! From Lord Bohinen! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. DPR could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing. Brian Roy has headed for his interlead. Whelan. Oh, what a goal from Noel Whelan. No power on it whatsoever. But Saibi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Only oh, Hassan. No. Hello and welcome to a Quickly Kevin Will He Score correspondent special. I'm Chris Skull and joining me as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And fresh from photoshopping David May into the darling buds of May for the Quickly Kevin calendar, it's Michael Marden. Hello. Excellent photoshopping on the David May as uh, all the characters in the darling buds of May for the month of May in the Quickly Kevin calendar. I'd say a couple of them weren't my finest work. <laughs> But you were telling us there was a hilarious mix-up because we wanted to make it a 93-2021 calendar because the days from 93 line up perfectly with 2021. But you fell at the first hurdle, right, Michael? Yeah, yeah. So obviously you sort of put the order in to print out sort of 2,500 of these calendars and the people at the printing company basically thought it was a typo, like an error, because they... (laughs) And I didn't realise that they had thought that and just corrected it themselves. So when they were sent to the people dispatching them, they got I got them to send me a copy. And I was like, what the hell? This doesn't say 1993. <laughs> so I rang up the company and they were like, who in their right mind would want two and a half thousand 1993 calendars? We just assumed it was a fuck oh, You'd have to be a real loser to want two and a half thousand 1993 calendars, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's so bizarre because it's like, it's all the numbers of the year is completely different, so it's not like it's not like you've won out. Yeah, no. it's not. It's not a typo. You've <laughs> got all four numbers wrong. We know now for next year. We know that you have to be very specific. All right, nineteen ninety three in brackets. This is not a typo. Close bracket. <laughs> it reminds me. Well, it doesn't remind me, but it's a similar area. Have you ever seen that Welsh uh, road sign? That I think it was. It was Welsh. I think. They'd sent the the text they wanted translated to the translator to translate into Welsh to make it into a road sign, and I got the person had the person uh, was on holiday, and the auto reply bounced it back with a Welsh auto reply, which they presumed was the translation. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a road sign somewhere. I don't know. It's something that's more or less the story. If anyone knows um, what, if anyone's got that, like, could send the link to 
firm up the details of that anecdote, but it is dead genuinely. I remember it happening. I've just Googled it if you want if you want the info. Oh yeah, is it real? Yeah, yeah, it's real. So so the sign, the top part of the sign in English says no entry for heavy goods vehicles, residential site only. Underneath, obviously it's meant to be the Welsh version of that, but it actually says I am not in the office at the moment. Send any work to be translated. <laughs> amazing i love all that i love all that i hope they kept the sign there that'd be such a shame yeah. to take it down so if you want a calendar we've actually got a few left over if you just want to buy one you can go to quicklykevin.com head to the shop you could be the proud owner of a photoshopped set of david may on looking like he's in the darling it's bad so you really that's way bad than that okay <laughs> um so hello this is a we just thought because we get so much good correspondence and we've got three months off the series it'd be nice to do a special correspondence episode uh well we'll just try and get through some of the amazing uh emails we got about peter schmeichel being lobbed now should we just go should we just dive straight in there yeah why not let's do it i'm jim rosenthal and this is the electronic post bag you've got mail uh, this is from Andy W. Thanks for the pod. Enjoy it every week. And it's got me through many an indoor bike session in lockdown. Um, I don't know whether that means he's got a Peloton and he's not li- listening. Um, or, or he lives in a massive gymnasium. He's just cycling around in big circles. <laughs> um, I, I find people who listen to podcasts while working out, I can't get my head around that. Can you not? No. You get, you get emails sometimes from people saying they run marathons while listening to this. I think, how can you... Don't you want a pumped up song? Why would you listen to us dribbling on about Welsh road signs? How does that fire you up? Because it takes your mind off it, doesn't it? I rarely listen to Quickly Kevin back, but I remembered having such a good time with the one episode we did that came out during lockdown of the one with Ben Clark. We talked about the Manchester United video uh, and it contained the uh, the Bobby Charlton uh, hair riff. Which I think is up there with our finest work. I think that, that could be one of my favourite ever episodes. Yeah. I think if we had to tour the hits, that would certainly be uh, <laughs> one of the first names on the team sheet. But I have a vivid memory of running around Victoria Park, listening to that in the summer during lockdown on a sunny day. And uh, laugh, like really laughing as I was running at the Bobby Charlton riff, which is so self-aggrandizing. So people, I can see why you would do it. Sometimes if it's music, your whole thing is, oh, God, I'm, you know, I've got to be in the zone for all this. But if yeah. it's a podcast, it kind of takes you out of it a bit. You ever listen on the tube or something like that where you're laughing? You know, on the tube, but you're laughing hysterically to a podcast. I find that. I have to pause sometimes. I find yeah, that. I don't enjoy that. I, even though it's obvious what's happening, I don't enjoy laughing <laughs> on my own in public. I think it's weird. <laughs> it's weird when no one knows what you're laughing at. Imagine if, someone, if you were laughing at the Bobby Charlton riff and you had to explain it. I was just listening to some guys like, making jokes about a guy who had a comb over in the 60s. <laughs> I, think you were, I think you're insane. Um, oh, before we start, I just wanted to read you an excerpt of something. I'm reading a book at the moment, right? The Last Party. I've told you about this, Skull, but I just want to read you an excerpt. It's a book um, about uh, the Britpop era and its intersection with uh, Cool Britannia and New Labour. And I want to read you a section... Um, which is uh, about uh, Damon Albarn's love of Chelsea Football Club. In addition to his Sunday kickabouts, during the previous year, he'd begun going regularly to watch Chelsea FC. That was when he invented football, said Andy Ross. Damon didn't know much about football before he discovered Chelsea. The Premiership had only just started. He started going to Chelsea because of a couple of his mates who worked on the Blur videos also went, Chelsea are the lovey team, aren't they? 
I suppose Damon may have thought that football was a people's thing. But you go down to Chelsea and you can't get a more middle-class environment. Realistically, he should have supported Leighton Orient because he bangs on about how he's from Leytonstone all the time. The enemy was similarly unimpressed. In May, they ran a spoof Albon interview in which he enthused about his new passion. I've always been a fan of Chelsea and I love to see them score lots of goals, it said. My favourite Chelsea players are Eric Cantona and Gaza. Do you want to fight, mate? <laughs> As if to give such barbs the ring of truth. In August 1995, Albon told Just 17 magazine that the greatest football player of all time was Trevor Brooking. <laughs> so weird. I don't think it stands up to any argument, he later explained. It's just an emotional thing. What's so weird? Why, why I that? I think he just doesn't know much about football. He's panicked. <laughs> what do you think? It's got to be, right? I, yeah, you told me this. I think, well, he's grew up in Lanes, though, so he's probably grown up around West Ham fans, and he's probably heard West Ham fans go, oh, Trevor Brooking, you know. Like, growing up in the 80s, he probably is a name you yeah, would have heard a lot. Yeah. I mean, he moved to Colchester at quite a young age, but yeah, I suppose it's still a West Ham area, right? Yeah. So I guess it's a name he's heard a lot. So when put on the spot, he's just reached for the first name he had available. That was Trevor Brooking. Amazing. Um... Patrick Barbet writes, Hi guys, this isn't quite a, uh, do I remember this right, more and I've been getting this wrong for years. Me and my best mate Chris were down the pub watching a match a couple of years ago in Bow, East London, Damon Albarn's manner. Some player scored their hat-trick goal in the game we're watching and Chris turned to me and said, that'll be the mountain bike then? Obviously, I asked him what he was talking about, to which he replied, mountain bike? He'll get a mountain bike, won't he? I asked him again, what he was talking about. Well, which point he turned, he said angrily, man of the match wins a mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out his older brother had told him this in the 90s and he took it as truth. At that age, the idea of a free mountain bike was the best thing a thick kid can think of. It's only when I pointed out that him Wright would have a garage full of mountain bikes that he started to think this might not be true. I think that's a great addition to our things uh, that people have... Um, misbelieved from their childhood yeah shall we have the grain chill theme tune uh for the because we've got a lot of these made up rules and rules from your childhood yeah why not why not we, we, need, we need a name for this feature okay strange um, strange hill strange hill yeah what, like grange hill yeah, yeah why not we'll go straight i mean it doesn't work in any way but why not <laughs> it's an attempt never stopped us before <laughs> never stopped us before okay this is a strange hill from shane longham I enjoyed your recent correspondence episode where a listener wrote in about a rule he'd mistakenly believed to be part of the game. Namely, if you kick a goal into the net after a goal had been scored, uh, then it would count towards your aggregate score. This reminded me that for a worryingly large portion of my childhood, I mistakenly believed that goalkeepers were allowed to handle the ball in the penalty area, even if it wasn't their penalty area. (laughs) (laughs) That's lovely. I really like that one. If a keeper was bold enough to venture all the way up to the opposition box, he could legally grab the ball and hurl punch it into the goal. (laughs) I even convinced myself for years that I'd seen this happen in a game. (laughs) I have to say, though, if this rule were actually adopted, it would surely improve the game immensely. Managers would have to calculate the risk versus reward of sending your keeper at the other end, with the pro of having a devastatingly dangerous attacker versus the con of leaving your own goal unprotected. I think, that's a, I think that's a fascinating um, tactical discussion. 
that's another experiment I'd love to run. Remember, we talked once about them having a game on a really steep hill and seeing what yeah. happens. But the thing with the goalkeeper thing, if, if he handles it in the, say it's a corner, if the other goalkeeper catches it, what's he going to do? He's got to throw it, or can he just like rugby, like try and just storm into the net with it in his hands? Yeah, I think if he catches it, it becomes like Speedball 2. He can just like, run <laughs> through players and get it into the net. Well, no. What would the rule be if a goalie had the ball in his hands and he charged into someone in his own area and knocked them over? Would that be a penalty? Uh, oh. I don't know, actually. I don't, I don't think know. holding the ball gives you immunity to enact any physical attack on anyone else in the vicinity. Surely you're still running into them. Yeah. I think it probably buys you a little bit of a license, though. I think you'd get away with something you wouldn't without the ball. So, how would you play it? Would you? Keep- I, th- I think the opposition keeper can't catch it. Maybe he could use one hand, so he can punch. Oh, he can catch it, but like netball, if he catches it, he has to stay standing. Stand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm all up for trying this out the next World Cup. Note it down: an experiment we need to try. Because, would it affect your selection of goalkeeper? Uh, no, because I think the opportunities to use that would be fairly limited. You'd want the best all-round goalkeeper. Would you not but, t- send them up for every corner? Yeah, I'd absolutely send them up for every corner without a question of a doubt. Every sort of indirect free kick, anything that'd get the ball into the box at a height. Because you've got to remember, almost every time the goalkeeper is the tallest player on the pitch. So if you add the sort of wingspan, the extra length of their arm, not even Peter Crouch is getting to that ball. Well, it's, it's goalie v goalie, isn't it? It's goalie v goalie every time. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm up for watching that. Um, another strange hill. This is from uh, Dale Halls. Uh, Dale, age 32 and a quarter. Talking about misunderstanding rules growing up, following on from the aggregate goals rule, when I was a kid, I thought it was called stockage time. <laughs> What like time to take stock? And no, and it was when they stocked the burgers, etc., for half time. <laughs> Imagine stocking Old Trafford in less than three minutes. <laughs> Would you implement that? I don't think there's a way you can implement that. <laughs> what could you do? Right. Hi, uh, uh, Josh, Chris, and Michael. Listening to your correspondence special. Uh, this is, by the way, um, this is more strange tale. Um, Listening to your correspondence special, the email about obscure made-up rules triggered a memory of my own childhood. As a five-year-old, I was delighted to collect the crisp packets to get the free Smith's Greatest Moments of the World Cup World Soccer, presented by Auto-Q robot Bobby Robson and commentated on by QK legend Jim Rosenthal that was released in the run-up to the 1990 World Cup. The video contained a mix of clips from World Cups, Euros and important club games, interspersed with classic 90s adverts for Squares, Quavers and Monster Munch. During a summary of the classic 1970 World Cup final, Rosenthal gives the line, Italy to protest in vain, uh, which to my five-year-old brain interpreted as Italy protest invade. I assumed this to mean that invade must be a rule. The attacking team couldn't shoot within the six-yard box as the goal had been a tap-in. What? <laughs> Oh was a, so he thinks that invade is a rule. I mean, it's amazing the kind of way a child's mind works like that. I was apoplectic for the Italians as Jarzino had clearly infringed and I couldn't understand why the goal hadn't been chalked off. Eventually, uh, I got corrected years later when appealing during a park game of football for the use of the rule and it didn't exist. <laughs> 
I've still got that VHS. My mum saved up and sent off for that. Yeah, yeah. I used to absolutely love it. It was Brian Robson, not Bobby Robson, doing oh, Brian the, Robson. Um, sorry, the, sorry. the commentary. I used some of the music from it on our first ever End of Series quiz for uh, for fact fans. Oh, there we go. It's very rare that the End of Season quizzes are for fact fans, isn't it, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, do you want an email subject, uh, Mansfield Town and Daily Thompson? Oh, yes, please. In this week's bonus episode, you discuss the subject of former Olympians featuring in special teams. When Michael mentioned Daly Thompson swinging in corners, it triggered a memory from 1995 when Daly Thompson signed for my local team, Mansfield Town. The Stags at the time were in the third division. After scoring in a reserve game against Preston the week before, Daly Thompson made the substitutes bench for a league match against Cardiff, which ended in a 1-1 draw. Sadly, he was never used in that game, nor did he feature for Mansfield Town again, as work commitments prevented him from playing. I've included an article from The Independent, who reported on the fixture, particularly enjoyed Stags manager Andy Kinn defending the decision to include the 37-year-old Thompson in the squad by saying, it's no gimmick. When Ian Botham signed for Scunthorpe, that was a gimmick. Daly is an athlete. Botham wasn't. Isn't that mad that Daly Thompson... At 37, got included in a league. He didn't play a game. He was just in the squad. He, got, he was on the bench for a league game, though. But did, did he come off the bench? No, he didn't come off the bench. Right. Well, then it's absolutely a gimmick, surely. Because yeah. <laughs> both of them played a lot, yeah, didn't they? I think, but yeah, both of them used to play in the winter, right? For Scunthorpe. Yeah. Because there's that, that, that great trivia question, who's the only England captain to, to captain England while playing in the third tier? Oh, very nice. English football, very nice. Um, very nice. Um, Kieran Nicholson, uh, Quirky Stadiums, another one of our favourites. May I suggest a contribution for the Quirky Stadium features? Surely unique quality of Central Park Stadium. Home of anyone? Uh, I wouldn't have got it. No. Cowden Beef ah. in Fife. Like many, which was in the email, I didn't know Cowden Beef was in Fife. Like many modern stadia, the view from the terrace is obscured by a racetrack rather than athletics track, the home of Cowdenbeath has a stock car circuit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! That's amazing. Amazing. You can view the game through the safety barriers and cross the dirt racing track. One of my earliest football memories is an away day there with my dad where hilariously, and much to my dad's annoyance, the price of admission to the away end was one pound more than the home end. I fondly remember standing on the terrace when the gentleman behind us remarked, one of the good things about promotion We'll be not having to come to shitholes like this. I th- I'd love to go to that ground, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, would love to. I learned um I learned to drive on a stock car racing track when I was what? ten years old. <laughs> what? Shut up. When you were ten? Yeah. I'll tailor this story slightly because there's some legality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, mate. I won't. I won't give the full, the full uh, detail. Uh, Isle of Wight is just. It's just like Mad Max, isn't it? It's just lawless. It's the Wild <laughs> West. Um, my friend's dad, well, a kid I went to school with, he was sort of friend of a friend. His dad How had you like. See? Sorry, well, he had like he had like hundreds of acres of farmland, and on a part of it was like a sort of stock car banger racing track where I think like once a month maybe they'd have these races but down there were all of these cars so like some of them some of them half smashed up some of them still worked so in the summer we just used to go down there and just drive these cars and i say drive like loosely but over the course of a period of weeks we basically taught ourselves how to drive to the point where there was a whole sort of gang of teenagers on the other way yeah yeah with gears that are about 12 
were driving like banged up old banger stock cars around like the back roads uh, on this rural land of the Isle of Wight wow. until, until obviously the police clamped down on them. Like, right, we got to put a stop to this. There's fucking twelve year olds like the scene in Hook like driving around in bangers. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I don't have a driving license. I failed my driving test three times, uh, and I, I I maintain that the reason why I keep failing is because I picked up some some bad habits in, that, that summer on the other way. I can power slide into a corner, but I can't parallel park. <laughs> have you got, have you got a picture of that ground? What's it what's it called again? Central Cowden Booth. Oh my god! Wow. So I'm, I'm just having a look at a picture. Yeah, it's got a proper racetrack around it. I mean, the stands are so far from the pitch. Jeez, that that I, that is incredible! That is oh my god, there's oh, like, wow. look at the pictures of the tires. It's a proper track. We'll tweet that out. It obviously. looks like it looks like NASCAR. That like, is incredible. <laughs> oh, it, also, did you know they filmed Days of Thunder at the um, Cowdenbeath? <laughs> well? I mean, amazing, people complain there's a, a gap in the between the stand and the pitch at uh, the football, London Stadium, but it's nothing on this. <laughs> There's something about Scottish grounds, especially lower league Scottish grounds. You just think they always look cold, don't they? Every single one of these pictures, even the one of Cowden Beach. I think Beach, that's lower they... league grounds. Is it? I think yeah. every lower league ground looks fucking freezing. <laughs> <laughs> New feature. Yeah. Lower league grounds that look really cold. <laughs> Do send in your picture. I, I must have told you the other thing about the away end at Plymouth. No. That there used to be a zoo that backed onto it. Oh my god! That I didn't know this, so I found this out about six months ago. That because it's in a park, so it used to back onto a zoo. And once there was a wayward shot that went out the ground, <laughs> and then three seconds later, they just heard an elephant go. That <laughs> <laughs> can't be true. And the elephant headed it back, and then he signed for Plymouth. <laughs> um. Should I give you some options of, uh, of of names and you can choose the email you want? Yeah. Important question about indirect free kicks. Career span and cricket or Bruno Cheru's paper bill? Bruno Cheru's paper bill really intrigues me of all the yeah. headlines. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay, Philip Malcolm. Listening to John Robbins reminded me of a long buried memory of my time working part-time in a South Liverpool newsagent in 99 to 2001. At the time, Gerald Julio had a large apartment in a gated compound beside Sefton Park. He used to like his signings to begin life in the city there so he could keep an eye on them. One of these was Bruno Sheru, and my plucky paperboys would deliver his daily copies of Le Quip and Le Monde. Unfortunately, nobody bothered to tell Sheru that you had to pay for newspapers, especially foreign ones, expensively sourced by a small local business. By the time he left the club, his bill was upwards of £600, and the only response to my boss's repeated polite requests was a letter on official club notepaper uh, requesting that he stop harassing their player. <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, it was never settled. Julio, on the other hand, was an absolute gent who tipped paperboys generously at Christmas. Do you think that's the reason for his poor form? He was so distracted. He felt these, these news agents after me. He couldn't focus on the pitch. <laughs> it's the paper bill. Um, do you want 90s football Olympics? Wife wants to boost the heating, spelt like Dave Boost, or somersault long throw. Uh, I'm going to go for the wife wants to boost the heating. Good morning, gents. Thank you for keeping us all entertained during lockdown. I want to let you know about the lasting impact you had on my household routines. I honestly thought my first email to you would be about the fact Peter Shilton lives around the corner at me, but I'm afraid not. We recently had Hive remote-controlled heating installed in our house, and you have the facility to boost the heating 
or when you're a bit cold. As the cold winter nights come in, my wife has now resorted to asking me if we can have a boost boost David boost. Our house will never be the same again. All the best and Merry Christmas. Sorry, we haven't read this out in a while. Uh, Charlie. So is the wife a fan of the show or how has she picked that up? Uh, yeah, she must have heard him listening to it. Right, before we've got, uh, we go on to more emails, we should say um, perhaps the funniest thing that's ever happened uh, happened to us a few weeks ago, which was that um, if you're not aware, and why would you be, there is three levels on the Patreon, and the top one is what we describe. Well, it is real, but we didn't think anyone would click on it. It's a, it's a one-off payment of £10,000, which... Uh, we, we presumed was a kind of joke level where we'd record a special podcast that would be recorded on onto cassette and you're on the subject of your choice and you would hold the only ever copy. Skull was looking through one day and couldn't believe what he saw, could you, Chris? Yeah, someone had paid for it. Like, suddenly we were racked with guilt. We were like, this was a, just a bit of a joke. It was kind of, we were copying what Wu-Tang Clan did, didn't they? They recorded an album and said, well, we'll sell it to one person. We saw someone had paid for this special episode. <laughs> And we were discussing, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And then we got an email going, guys, I've had an absolute nightmare. Just accidentally bought <laughs> the Sir Lawrence package. Please can I have a refund. Uh, I'm saving to buy a house. I've had an absolute nightmare. Don't have to tell my wife. Don't have to tell my wife. Contractually uh, obliged, he was. So we, we we will record the episode for him. Um, now, um, Yeah, enjoy your bespoke jingle, mate. Sorry about the breakup. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, bad telling this miss is bad news um we're not gonna be able to move house uh, and buy a new one but i have got this cassette of an episode that is just for us <laughs> it's about, so it's good and bad chester city in the 90s <laughs> um anyway um uh, we should update you that uh, there's loads and loads of stuff on the patreon because uh, we're trying to put extra episodes on there to fill the gap before the next proper series at the end of march uh there is more chapters of Ivo Graham and us going through the Steve Bruce Striker book uh, word by word. There is Ellis James on uh, Des Lynham, a kind of ode to Des Lynham episode. There is a Quickly Kevin Film Club review of Escape to Victory, which we thoroughly enjoyed. And, uh, and also, if you if you are interested in Damon Auburn supporting Chelsea, we've got Phil Daniels on. Exactly, yeah, Phil Daniels. Chatting Chelsea in the 90s. Patron exclusive. Uh, so go to Patreon dot com forward slash quickly kevin shall we put a clip in of one of them michael or a couple of them just to uh just yeah to why not the time more than anything and around this time as well so stanford bridge is getting completely remodeled did it feel like your club was changing like were you sad to see some of those stands go did you feel like the modern era is here i was desperate for them to be you know a, a big club Desperate for us to be better than Arsenal. <laughs> better than Tottenham. <laughs> we say you were desperate for them to be better than Arsenal, but didn't you used to play for the Arsenal celebrity team? Yeah, I did, yeah. Why have you not the mission? I had to wear a Chelsea shirt underneath <laughs> my top. How did, that, how did you get signed like that? Uh, because, you know, I could knock the ball about, you see. They, and I used to play in their sort of style. I used to try and walk it into the net. Did you ever play against Chelsea, the celebrity yeah. team? Yeah. <gasps> oh, against dear. Kerry Dixon and oh, all that lot. Score oh. a couple of own goals. <laughs> no, I took a penalty and missed it. Deliberately? <laughs> <laughs> On purpose? Yeah. <laughs> I kicked it straight at Peter Bonetti. <laughs> um, when I first went to the cinema, I'm sure 
I'm doing a Michael here and uh, just uh, basically recapping what's something that I'm sure I've said before. But um, the first time I went, I went with my friend Thomas Bosons and his family. And uh, they, he'd already, I must have been, it was Ghostbusters 2. So I don't know what year that would have been about, 1990, 1991, something like that. I'd bought the jumper. I wore that before I'd seen the film. And then I said, they said they'd all been to the cinema before. I hadn't, but I was absolutely obviously humiliated by that fact so i pretended i'd been to the cinema before (laughs) (laughs) is that it no it's good good enough then we went in and we all sat down I was like a foot higher than everyone else. And obviously I had no idea the seats folded down. So <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of the first time I, uh, I had a mame beans. <laughs> I was in a restaurant with someone who I quite fancied. And she was like, yeah, you like edamame beans? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And they turned up on the table and I just shoved them in my mouth, like in the pod as well. <laughs> Just looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, God. Oh, God, you two country yokel bumpkins. That's not a countryside thing. Everyone's been at a point when they've not been to the cinema, Chris. Josh, hang on. Josh, hang on. Your thing isn't a cinema thing. It's a seat thing. Had you never seen a seat that folded down? It's like those seats exist outside a cinema. It's very dark. It's very dark. It's very dark. So, in the first seven years of your life, when did you see a seat that folded down? Football, don't they? I wouldn't like, have been. I wouldn't have been to the football before I went to the cinema. <laughs> I, I went to Argyle Island about ninety-one. I don't know how that happened. Back me up, Michael. Oh, God, <laughs> surely at ten years old you'd seen a seat that folded down. That what years Ghostbusters two? Let me Google that. Nineteen eighty-nine was Ghostbusters. That's actually um, made me cry. 1989, so I was six. Okay, six. Yeah. Had you sat on a seat that folded down at the age of six? Hello at quicklykevin.com. <laughs> now, back to the electronic post bag. Uh, we ha- we've got loads of long throw ones we haven't done. I think the next one we should do, we should do a long throw special, our next correspondence, to try yes. and knock them all out. Yes. There's so many more. Um, we will come to them, but uh, just to wet your whistle, here is one called Subject Long Throw Stroke Obscure Rule Obsession Combination. Hi, lads. After your recent discussion about long throws and notable rules of insignificance when growing up, there was a memory of mine that combines the two subjects. I'm 21 years old and grew up in Stoke, so Rory Delap was a local hero in my younger years, and my mates at school became well-versed in the rules and regulations surrounding throw-ins. One specific rule in particular seemed to stick with me uh, was that a player had to have both feet on the ground during the release of the ball. Delap had to tweet his throwing technique accordingly. After making the switch from javelin to football, and was able to launch the ball in Sierra by dragging his trailing foot along the ground behind him. I used to think this rule was uh, would have greater significance when growing up, but would later come to realise it was largely redundant, as no one threw like Rory Delap. Did you know? Have you noticed that? I can picture that now. So he drags. No. He's dragging one foot behind him as he. So you've got to have two I feet touching the floor. But rather than doing a throw in the way that, you know, the two feet on the ground, Rory Delap is dragging his foot like, I suppose, like Kaiser Soze. 
I've just <laughs> I've just gone to find it. I've just gone onto YouTube and typed in Rory to lap throw in, and Sky Sports have made a compilation of every goal scored from his throw in for Stoke. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, he does. I'm watching the same video. Oh yeah, no, he is right. Yes, he's dragging yeah. a foot. He's dragging his foot. There you go. They said there was nothing more to say. I mean, his throw is so astonishing, isn't it? Like, just watch, you're looking at these highlights of him doing massive throws. The pace he's throwing that is crazy. The, the long throw continues to be a lovely source. <laughs> a rich source of material. Yeah. And there's lots more to come. We'll do a long throw special for our next correspondence. Imagine that long throw with a goalkeeper who can punch the ball into the opposing net. Oh, my I mean, God. That, that, that team never loses a game again. That would be the thing with the, uh, the goalkeeper going up front. People like Sam Allardyce, your beloved Sam Allardyce. That kind of football would become a real big deal. Oh, yeah. Imagine it. That's a cold, wet, windy night, bolting away, and they're just doing that. Would anyone ever play a goalie up front? I thought that when we first brought it up. But I thought it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because you're not going to—they're not going to spend that much time in the box, are they? It, it's going to be far more dangerous at the opposing end. Yes, yes. It's I, paid pretty I, I, much. I get the, yeah, but could you could you adapt your game completely? So I think if I had a free kick anywhere in the that wasn't in my own area, I'd be willing to put the goalie in the opposing area and just launch it in. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they can catch it, if he's allowed to catch it and then have that netball rule that you spoke of earlier, yeah, I'd absolutely get the goalkeeper up because I think more often than not, he's going to win that. He's going to catch it. And then it becomes almost like a second dead ball situation where he's allowed to throw it, but then players can't tackle him if he's got the ball above his head because that's an illegal tackle. So then they're going to what, like crowd round him and try and like, they'll be jumping around trying to use their head to obstruct <laughs> this throw. Would you also, if you're the goalie and you've got the ball, you can take a drop kick. That can be your shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Think of the power of that shot. I'd love to see it in action. Joe, you know I was just thinking. I was just could, thinking. Hold on, hold on. Just a quick evolution of that. Could the, the goalie throw it to a, a, his own teammate in the area, move clear of some defenders, that player head it, loop header back yeah, to him, yeah, of and course. catch it again yeah, to make space for him? Yeah. yeah, he could do the one too. Could he bounce off an opponent? I suppose he could. Yeah. It's a gamble, yeah. Yeah. Would he only have six seconds on the ball? Would they bring back in the six-second rule? I was just thinking as well, like, uh, the attributes you'd want from a keeper, suddenly pace would be really important. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd want a keeper who can run really fast. Because I suppose if you had a free kick in your own half, they'd have to play a very, very high line to stop you launching it into the box. Yeah, that's true. You'd, they'd have to play an offside track right up to the halfway line, and then yeah. you'd have to get enough loop on it to allow the goalie. You know, like um, they do it kind of in um, in rugby, don't they? When they kick off, they'll loop it quite high so that they, you know, those those kicks in rugby where they all run forward with it. I don't really know much about rugby, but you know yeah, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that famous training session at Napoli with Maradona when he's booting the ball up in the air. He basically was he was training for the evolution of the game that no one knew was coming. Such a shame he wasn't around to see it. He's only missed it by three months. <laughs> if uh, if if the the opposing team did then off sort of employ this counter offside trap with a really high line, you'd fake to do the goalkeeper kick, 
and you'd have a really quick attacker on the shoulder yes, of the last yeah, man. You'd slide a through ball, and then they'd have the entire opposing half to run yeah. onto. Yeah. So what what essentially happens is is football becomes like the NFL, and you've sort of got these like these plays that happen, like play by yeah. play. Yeah, that's that's the equivalent of the fake field goal in, in Madden. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because all you'd need would be your goalie on the halfway line, and then you you've got your fast striker, Darren Huckabee. So they're marking your goalie, ready for him to run, and then Huckabee just pegs it, and you just chip it through to him. You don't even need to chip it that far; it's just got to clear it a bit. And at that point, the goalie runs back to his area in case it all goes wrong. Yeah, what does the goalie run in support of Huckabee? Knowing that Huckabee can then commit the goalie and then pass to the other goalie who will be both have an open goal and be able to use his hands. The ultimate situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a headache from all this. But hold on. Would if 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 Huckabee passed it to his goalkeeper and he caught it, isn't that technically a pass back? It's a pass back. It's an indirect free kick to the opposing team. <laughs> Um, well, we'll do a long throw special. If you've got any more uh, Strange Hill or any more uh, rule ideas, this is how to get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Oh, we're allowed to, we haven't got time for 90s o'clock news, which is a shame because I've got a cracking story about how Steve Froggart met his wife. Oh, that's a shame. Well, next time. Uh, we'll have to yeah, do it time. next time. Next we'll have time. to do it next time. Okay. Um, thank you for listening. As we said uh, before, um, on the Patreon, we're doing loads of episodes. While the main series is off air, we've reviewed Escape to Victory. We've got more Ivo, Graham, and Steve Bruce. We've got um, a Valentine's special coming up. We've got more correspondence. Uh, anything else we've got all the old ones as well like the halloween one yeah all the old live shows that we did they're all still available to thank ellis them. james and des Lynham. ellis james and des Lynham was an absolute classic and the live show uh at the end of february you can uh get your tickets free on patreon or pay for them uh for just five pounds on where do you get them michael eventbrite eventbrite yeah. eventbrite skull thank you for listening and robbie slater see you later This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.